Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. Today we have on Jason Wynn from Upside Business Travel, and you are the Chief Commercial Officer, correct? That is correct. So we were we have been clients of Upside Business Travel, as a matter of fact. Um, I know that. We, yeah, we, back when we were traveling, uh, <laughs> we were using Upside quite a lot. We were looking for a solution um, where we can centralize all of our travelers into one place. And our model was that we had one person booking on behalf of everybody else because it's just, you know, it's time consuming. So we would do the one person, which happened to be my wife. My wife was director of internal travel at BLS. Well, she still is. And um, your platform is great. And the best part is, is that you get back 3% on whatever you purchase. So that was a huge, uh, that was a huge bonus. Did you start upside, Jason? Or you... (laughs) I wish I, I was I was really early on. I think uh, net net with employees attrition and the rest of it, I, I'm in the top ten. But uh, no, I didn't I didn't start it. Um, okay. But I was one of the the early employees and and senior executives on the team. That's incredible. Were you always in travel? Or- Unfor- unfortunately, I mean these days yeah. you wish you wish you had something else on the resume to be able to speak to, right? But no, I've been. Uh, what else would you rather be like? Travel no. is the greatest. It's the greatest industry in the world. There's, yeah. (laughs) If there was demand, uh, it would be an amazing (laughs) industry. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're all we all kind of like you know. So, how did you get into this godforsaken industry? Um, So, I once I graduated school, I went to school at Columbia in in New York. So everyone was going into investment banking, and I thought, you know, I don't think that's for me. I need to go into something business. I was dating a girl, or started to date a girl who was in San Diego. And I thought, all right, I got to figure out a way I can see this person more than, you know, once every six months. Uh, Saw a posting for a job revenue management with United Airlines and thought, I I bet they have some benefits that I could take advantage of. Talk to them and they're like, yeah, you can fly fly whenever you want. I was like, okay, let's do that. So that's how I got into travel, you know, follow the girl. girl. It's always a girl. Always about a girl. Especially in California, you know, it's always about a girl in California. Uh, you went to Columbia. Are you from New York? No, no. I uh, grew up in Huntington Beach, California. I uh, had an opportunity to go to go back east and go to a great school and loved it. Yeah, Columbia's, I mean, top notch. You know, yeah. not a great neighborhood, but an overall incredible school. Well, true, true, possibly even back then, but totally gentrified now. Like all the way up oh, yeah. past one twenty fifth now is uh, you know, actually totally different. I, I mean, we could talk current events, but I don't know if you know what's going on on 72nd Street and like 6th Avenue Broadway, like oh. right in the Upper West Side. Uh, it, New York became this like homeless place. You know, a lot of homeless people just walking all over. They put homeless people in shelters, you know, in, in hotels in well-known hotels all over New York City. And people like these, you know, there was this article of these uh, Upper West Side moms are leaving in droves, leaving New York City because it's just a very dangerous place. I know L.A. was like that. You know, we traveled to LA. We were in LA before COVID every three weeks, every three to four weeks. And uh, it's tent city there. I mean, I you can't believe, I mean, I, you can believe, but people going to LA, um, traveling there, it just, it didn't feel as safe as it always was. And Eric and I have been going, coming to LA since we were babies. I mean, LA is our home away from home as well as Vegas. Uh, Vegas, they do try to keep the vagrants off the strip, but um, upside. Are you guys okay in today's world? Like, what what what's going on? Like, are you reinventing yourself? What's your story? Yeah, that's the, uh, the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, 
yeah we're you know we're in the same spot as anyone everyone else that's in the space right i mean it's it's amazing when you talk to other agencies and players i mean it's anywhere between 95 80 to 95% reduction in revenue right i mean there there's no one that i'm aware of that's doing any any better than that um are we all right i you know i think we've done a couple things that i believe are smart at a minimum we haven't stayed you know dormant during this we've we've realized that we need to to figure some things out and try some things so we have diversified a little bit of our portfolio we we've leveraged some of the assets that we've built and said listen we think we can point these at other uh business problems so we are exploring a little bit in the financial area something related to the ppp uh loans and sure. payback how we can help companies you know uh understand that a little bit better so we're exploring that we have something in insurance that we're playing around with with a, a industry expert and, and um insider that's helping us a little bit there and then on the travel side we're just trying to put ourselves in the best position that when demand returns and and it will return at what percentage of you know the the previous volume we'll have to see but it's going to return put ourselves in the best position so there's two things i mean we're, we're um bringing new features in primarily on safety and security as you know that are going to be so important to travelers to, to bridge that gap um as they start to come back but in addition to that we made the decision that we were going to make our technology that we've invested heavily in and and we think from a user standpoint it's a great experience with both your feedback on that as well but making that available to the agency community um as a new modern e-commerce platform as kind of a in addition to the concur portfolio you know for smaller right. companies something something that would make sense for them so anyway th those are the things that we've done and you know obviously there's no crystal ball but we feel pretty good about our you know weathering the storm and being in a good position coming so out of this your ceo um you know i follow him on linkedin and he puts out amazing content you know, he, he's, he's a real inspiration with how he, how he posts things up. And I was just wondering, um, how do you guys get in front of your customers? So like, how do you, how's, how's your marketing machine as far as getting in front of your customers and, and letting them know about upside? Cause like I found you guys on Google. So I, I searched, really? you know, yeah, business travel for. Yeah, I've for, never heard of Upside. Yeah, I, I searched, you know, business mm -hmm. travel platforms, and that's how I found Upside. So how do you get in front of your target market? Yeah, well, what we did before and what we do in the future may be slightly different. Um, to your point on Scott, he he's invested his personal time, you know, in this founder's focus to really help founders of startups think about, you know, ways of putting yourself in the best position, how to think through this. So he's done amazing. He's a shitty boss, but, um, you know, he's, he seems to not, he's, My boss he's amazing. Is kind of an ass My boss is kind of an asshole, but it's fine. <laughs> right. He's really good. He's really good on camera, but he's shitty, but no, he's, he's amazing. And he's he looks, really, he looks amazing. Honestly, it looks like working for him is like all full throttle. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's like, like the best way I could explain it, the way the way he goes about things. Uh, his his famous saying is "now is good." Um, it's always no, now is good. Why don't Why don't we do that now? So yeah, right. we we move at light warp speed. Um, in testament to that is the practice lines I talked about that we're exploring already in in financial and insurance industries. I mean, we spun that up 
literally uh, in a couple of weeks and start exploring that. And that's all, that's all Scott's amazing. leadership. What do you do with people in your organization? This isn't really, this is a general question for all business out there. What do you do for people that procrastinate? If Scott's motto is, you know, yeah. do, do it now, now. like right. why not now? You know, we deal with a lot of procrastinators in our business, not saying BLS, but in, in everywhere. If we do an RFP, it takes six months, uh, even <laughs> even a year. Um, right. pe people in our company. Whoop. Oh, I just dropped my, uh, oh, I think I'm getting like a Charlie horse. I don't think I'm drinking <laughs> water today. Wow. Eric, Eric don't that was impressive. That. <laughs> oh, I think I'm getting a Charlie horse in my leg. Um, how do you deal? How do you deal with procrastinators? <laughs> how do you deal with procrastinators in your business? If Scott's this like, let's do it, let's do it, let's go right now. I, you know, in our business, we have we have people that say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And Eric and All I right. don't procrastinate with anything. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things. One is knowing the culture and, and that that's where uh, you're going to be successful in our company. We we probe for that pretty significantly during the interview process. It's a big. I, I would say scrappiness and tenacity are probably the two major things that we are looking for, looking for examples of that and, and, you know, making it clear that that's the environment that the individual will be getting into. So um, generally the people that come in know that that's the expectation. Now, once they hit the ground and realize that, Oh shit, this is, this is real. And this is exactly what, what uh, happens. You know, people either gravitate to that and they get in the flow, see what's uh, how people work around them. We give a lot of accountability down to the individual level. There's not bureaucracy. You have a chance to if you've got the right idea and it's within the, the overall strategy, you can go execute on that um, very quickly, you know, yourself or with with the team. But those that, that don't gravitate to that, they self-select out. You know, we don't have to remove anyone. It's just, they say, this is, this isn't working. And, and we've had examples of that too. Oh, is it that, is, is it like that startup environment? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Scott's uh, experience has been startups. He was, he led startups for America for Obama. Um, no way, you know, really? Some years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And he's, he's launched uh, several businesses, uh, Malaria No More, um, wow. some, a, a lot of philanthropic, uh, businesses as well, but all, all startups and, and very much chasing, you know, chasing ideas, chasing demand and getting something in, in marketplace to see if it's viable. That's incredible. That's incredible. Why did he choose travel? Well, interestingly, he was the, uh, chief technology officer at Priceline for Jay. So he was employee wow. number two or number three with Jay Walker, who is our chairman and was and founder, uh, with Scott, but also was the chairman and founder of Priceline. Um, and Jay, you know, had this idea talking about startups and that another guy that's just off the charts and generational thinker and is involved even beyond upside with with other businesses as well um, already, but uh, had this idea that, listen, nothing has really changed in travel on the business side. It, it, since we came in with Priceline and this idea of name your own price and you know, at the outset of, of online migration and the rest of it, you know, the thought was is all of that would start to proliferate over to business travel as well. And, and I think Jay's, once he had come back in as a business traveler himself, realized that nothing's really changed here. So there's gotta be a different model, a different way. And especially for smaller corporations, you know, that was the, the idea that he brought to Scott and the two of them formed out what the business model would look like and they took it from there. So what exactly does Upside do for businesses? 
I mean, I think broadly our, our goal and some of this is evolving too with safety and security and some of some of the factors that are going to be so important for companies, you know, going forward. But the original, you know, business model was, you know, how do you how do you find a way of, of having a platform that your travelers like and are going to use without having to use a stick approach of a policy, but is is something that gives them you know, the, the service that they would expect, the human in the loop sort of uh, approach where if you need someone to help you, you've got that. But ultimately the technology is, is the thing that is driving your experience, right? So our whole vision for this is very much putting the traveler in the center of everything we do. Now a constituent is the company and the administrators and the rest of it. So we have to build out functionality for them, but never at the expense of having a great traveler experience. So. That was the business model. We have uh, things built into our system like gift cards, which we use, you know, selectively as as steering mechanisms around our preferred suppliers. But uh, the original business model was using some of that as what we were calling substitutional incentives. You know, trying to get individuals to make different decisions that benefited not just themselves with gift cards, but then also the company. So there's a lot of application that we built in there that you know over time will. Know, expand based off of customer feedback. Do you guys consider yourselves disruptors in the travel industry? I think so. I mean, I think that's where we want to be, right? I mean, my background is, you know, I work for American Express uh, on the travel side, what's now GBT, uh, great business, you know, but it, it's hard to move that that ship, you know? I mean, it, it they don't own a lot of their own technology. Yeah, yeah, it's so big, uh, you know, Amex, GBT is, it's so big. It's, you know, we any work with them. We work with them at, at many different clients and it's, it's, it's a lot to get, uh, to get done over there. Is that your primary competition? Yeah. GBT? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, the, the larger agency, you know, let's, let's put Amex, GBT, Carlson and BCD flight center, maybe into one bucket, which is global mega entities, yeah. megas. The, the, and, and I think this is lost on a lot of players, even like Trip Actions, who is someone that we would consider a direct competitor, but is very much focused on going after those larger guys. Is understanding what it takes to service IBM is, is not trivial. I mean, it's a hundred markets that you have to be able to service. They have different requirements in every market. That's not the space we want to get into. You have to get into bespoke, you know, one off type of things. And, right our model kind of falls down on that. We're very much focused on, you know, the corporation that, you know, let's call it the 10 million in, in less in annual uh, travel spend that having the e-commerce platform, having something that is, uh, that we can have a consistent platform is the approach that we're taking. So, you know, there are other disruptors in that space. Trip Actions is probably the most notable and has mm -hmm. made the most headway and has done a nice job there, but, um, you know, we feel pretty good about what we're doing too. What I loved about Upside was the ease of use to sign up. And You're right. a, a huge attractor for me is, you know, like when I'm, when I was looking, I was looking at nine o'clock at night when, you know, I'm like, you know what, we really need to consolidate our travel here. And then I contacted SAP or I contact Concur and it's always, oh, let's do a consultation. Oh, let's do this. Oh, let's do that. The beauty of what happened with Upside was I was able just to sign up and then I was able to really look around and play with it. And then somebody contact me from upside and say, okay, let's get you set up. What are your needs here? So I was able to touch it and feel it. And I had to wait three days for uh, somebody to help me set up my account. Right. You know, like, like yeah. I got, we got to go quick, you know, like let's, let's get the show on the road. We that's have, that's we have why that we have the book. 
that's the feeling I got from you, Jason. I mean, the idea that you guys are a disruptor. People in the travel industry, are, you know, it's, we're not bashing them, but they just there's this element of they're a lot of people are dinosaurs and they don't like to reinvent themselves. And you know, you have a company that comes in that has new technology, that has new ideas, fresh ideas that can consolidate things further. Like Eric said, it took me a few minutes to. You know, to sign up and and what Eric, you just started booking right away. Is that well, it? no? You know, like you you start looking. You and could, you, yeah, yeah we, we could if we, if we wanted to, but then ultimately you say, oh, okay, you know, every, we can create a profile for for everybody. So then you say, okay, let's go and get everyone's frequent flyer miles. Let's create profiles for everybody, and that's what we did. And in a matter of in a in a day or two, we were we were all set up, and that's that's what the beauty of it was for a company of our size. And I think that um, you know, we 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 spend far less than 10 million dollars a year on travel but i would have to assume that there are a ton of companies spending you know five hundred thousand to a million dollars a year on travel for their for their employees yeah if you, i mean i think the u.s travel market pre-pandemic was 330 billion corporate travel market in the u.s was 330 billion you know now it's, it's worth a lion's two, share. now it's worth two oreo cookies <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. now, the entire industry is worth two Oreo cookies. If you want, I can give you the whole. Uh, there's and a Snickers. I mean, and a, well, a Snickers might be like you know might be <laughs> elevating it a little too much, but yes, travel is. <laughs> but the lion, the lion's share of that big TAM, a total addressable market, was still the smaller company that had maybe ten employees. You know that were traveling frequently, the road warrior types that might be spending a hundred thousand, right? So, right. Uh, you know, we were very much oriented, you know, to your point, Eric, of like. How do you get after that group? One is you can't have a big price point in front of it because it's an inelastic, you know, group. They're not going to spend for it because they're not going to get enough value out of the cost. So we had to have something that we was free uh, for that group, and um, something that was dead ass simple to get in, kick the tires on, and, and get to know the experience. Which, you know, of our customers we brought on, a lot are like you. They did just that. They came in. They wanted to, you know, know more about us. We said, great. You know, let's sign you up. Well, you can try it. Try before you buy, sort of thing. And uh, we have a trial, you know, program where they were able to do that. And that was the path of bringing most all of the companies that we brought on through that, so that they could get really familiar with it. And with the agencies that we're speaking to now that we've extended our capability uh, and are talking to a bunch of agencies, that's the thing that they are most interested in because, you know, if they look at Concur and some of the others, the implementation timeline is in the months, right? Um, for a large account, it's several months. And so that's fine for a company that needs general ledger integration and has massive uh, profiles they need to move over. You know that they're going to have to do that for the larger corporations, but they've got this huge subset of companies that doesn't want anything like that. They just want to have a system where they can tell their folks that this is a system that they should use, so that they can, you know, see where the spend is going and have some of that uh, safety sort of sort of pieces built in. And they want to do that tomorrow, and so our system allows for that. You know, you can get them up and running immediately. My favorite feature that you guys have is uh, Eric's a techie, by the way, you yeah, can tell uh, Eric's a techie, right? Is, is that concierge, is, is, is the concierge that it's called? Is it um, where you can just message basically 24 seven, there's somebody always there. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that called? Well, we, we navigators is what we, Na or what we call navigator, it. Correct. Yep. Right, 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 right. So Michael, they have this thing called navigator. And when Jen was trying to book or was a complicated itinerary, she didn't even have to go and book it through the platform. She can go just send the itinerary to them. And then uh, she was just she was just chatting with them live where she's like, I need five aisle seats going from 
uh, New York to Albuquerque. And I think that brings up a good point, which is, you know, you've had it ups in the spectrum. Folks have said technology is going to, to solve problems, artificial intelligence and the rest, but you're not going to need to have a population, what we call navigators in place. You can do it all through tech. Definitely agree that things are migrating more, you know, to, to that stance. But our philosophy on this is it's the marriage between that. It's it's empowering the travel agent to be better at what they do, give them more information real time so that they can be more productive and have a technology that takes a lot of the unproductive work or non-productive work away from them because the individual can go in and figure out, get what they need. Uh, through the system, but it's the marriage of those two that really is, I, I think, the the model of of the future, and it's the model we're incorporating. And I think a lot of our competitors are are, are realizing that as well. Do you, you know? Well, hold, do you, hold on one second. Ahead, like what, what we always say, and like why does a company like BLS exist is because tr a lot of travel is nuanced. It's all about yeah. the details, and sometimes you can't fit that type of travel onto a booking program where sometimes it's 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 just a little bit too complicated. And I think you're right, marrying technology and marrying customer service together is is the holy grail for travel where you can where you can have on demand customer service, but then also if you just need to book a quick flight that works or a quick hotel that works. And we've experienced that with you. And that that was very appreciated because we weren't it, it never felt like we were just a number. And like when my wife would book on behalf of four or five people going to a convention, um, she would get the same person every time that she was that she was booking with or she had questions and somebody was assigned to the account. And it was it's a breath of fresh air considering you're a startup, considering it's all about technology. But then we were actually able to have customer service, which that's like, you know, the holy grail. Well, it's great to hear. Um, now, if you two could just start traveling again, we would like to see some of the revenue from that. So that'd be appreciated. <laughs> <You're not kidding. laughs> seriously, seriously. <laughs> Do you have preferred vendors in your system? Do you have like vendors that you work with that people go, listen, we're, you know, we have 10 people. We do travel a lot all over the country. We don't have a preferred car service. We don't have a preferred airline. Would you upload people into, you know, upload vendors into their systems? I mean, there, we do have what I would consider preferred suppliers. I think our model is very different than um, some of the TMC models, which the you know TMCs are, are having to look at that too because they put increasingly so much emphasis on their suppliers, but it's all opaque, right? I mean, the, the overrides that they receive and the rest of it, and the customer doesn't really know, these clients don't know that the, the TMC is trying to move traffic into these deals that they have to be able to, to generate revenue. Ours is totally transparent in that we go to the suppliers and say, listen, we're looking for discounts uh, that we can get and we will mark up a portion of that always below retail. So the customer will always get some benefit, but in between that discount level is where we'll make our margin as well. And the depth of the discount dictates the depth of discount that we can pass on. So if we are kind of, you know, keeping our margin portfolio at a set amount, we're not pigs. We're trying to, you know, just take enough to cover our costs with a nice little margin on top. Anything above that we pass on to the customer. So we allow the supplier to dictate a little bit of, you know, if you want to get more aggressive here, um, then we'll, we'll pass that on. And it's so, we think it's it's we think it's the right model that benefits the customer and is more transparent, but also you know allows us to to 
generate better deals from that because the more that uh, customers are selecting lower price options because a particular supplier is offering a better deal, they're getting more share, we're getting you know, our benefit from it, and the customer is the one that's driving that. Mm-hmm. So we, you're, uh, you're, I just want to mention your Wi-Fi is like going in and out. Like you, the, we got every word that you said. It just was a little choppy at about two or three points during the podcast. So um, I don't know if it's you know a low signal, or whatever. But you're fine now. But before it was, okay. it sound like a little Transformers ish. You know. Uh, sorry about that. I have, no, a, I have a story. Oh. I have a story about Transformers. If you want to hear it at some, point. I would love to hear a story about Transformers. I did Transformer commercials when I was uh, no kidding. Like, nine and 10 years old. Yeah. So you can find so them on one YouTube. Of those kids. You were yeah, one of those I was kids. The, the back in, was it 85? You Not could see, 100% but... play Ewan McGregor's like stunt double. Like you were 100, <laughs> like you were Ewan McGregor, like Obi-Wan, you know, Danny from the shining Dr. Sleep, which was an amazing movie. Like you, you have total Ewan McGregor vibe. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. did you want to be, did you want to be an actor? No, no, oh, it just, you, it was it just, just luck, hap, happenstance. Um, yeah, I got got an opportunity to go and I guess not interview. What do you call it? Audition um, for the the gig, and and it was I think the second year of Transformers, right when it blew up, maybe the third year, and it was the year that the at the end of every uh, commercial, the face turned into a robot. That face was so the, at the end of every commercial for that year. Um, I was on. So anyway, you're breaking up a little bit now. Whatever signal you have now, you're breaking up a little now. It's the transformer thing is coming in and out. But I, Eric, if you could find that commercial and put that on the podcast, <laughs> that would be unbelievable. That'd be really cool. We'll send it to you. Yeah. No, now you're frozen. Oh, there we go. Shit. There you go, Jason. Yeah, it's. Right, I don't you know, know what's going on here. Why call that? We call that the technology demon. You could and see. You us, never right? know when he's going to strike. I I see everything on our end, and I can see so. Um, it's choppy. You're pretty, you're pretty choppy. Do you want to maybe move or something? I mean, I know you put the books over there to, you know, you, all you have to say, you, you went to Columbia. You don't even need the books behind you to say that you look smart. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm as close to the, to the router uh, right next to me. So I can't yeah, find it's any choppy. better signal. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all right. It's coming in and out. Um, do you guys ever want to get to like GBT level? Do you ever want to get to BCD level? I mean, like, yeah, like, yeah, like what's the plan? What, when when travel comes back, what's the plan for upside? Well, of course, we would love to get to those levels in terms of scale and volume. I, I don't think our intent is to go after that size of customer. I, I think our niche is you know very much in that SME space. Um, now, granted, as I said before, because the biggest market size is the SME space. It's just very hard to to acquire, right? It's the acquisition cost and that is challenging to get the awareness and discoverability and the rest of it. But as as you become a more well-known brand, all of that starts to play into it and your commercial model then can can take hold. So yes, I mean, if our expectation is, is that we will, you know, be a dominant player in this space for the SMEs. Um, and it's just a matter of you know making the right decisions and having the right business model and value proposition on the other side of this thing, right? And we we, we feel good we're we're doing the right things and we're in the right spot. It's just got to let time play out, I suppose. So as you know, we're a travel supplier. So what we felt one of our biggest responsibilities was to provide uh, amazing duty of health and safety 
protocols for our clients. What are you doing to what are you doing on your side to ensure that your suppliers are meeting that? Is there even a way for you to do that? Um, or, you know, is there uh, what is how are you helping to gain customers confidence to actually start traveling again? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a great question, Eric. Thank you. And I, it's it's going to be super important for companies and travelers going forward to be able to do that. We have, we think we're the the first to integrate both air and hotel uh, safety information. So we are pulling from uh, on the air side, Route Happy, uh, who works directly with the airlines. Um, we've pulled that information around the cleaning protocols and the rest of it into our system. So at point of sale on a flight by flight basis, you can see click on a particular flight or airline and see the information around the, the safety protocols that are taken uh, for that. The same is true of hotel. And I think you're just going to see more and more data and content available that's going to help in that regard. There's a number of players that are looking to bring that bring that in or make that available. And as soon as they do, we will be, you know, early, very early in making sure that we're integrating that to uh, into the point of sale so that travelers have access to it. Is going public eventually an option for you guys? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think we're very much focused on growing our business, uh, not focused on exits. Um, but right. you know, uh, you know, we think our, our, if you look at our business model and the rest of it, we think it's attractive if we can prove that we can acquire. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Eric mentioned that Scott was on LinkedIn. Are you a big proponent of social media LinkedIn specifically? Me personally, not so much. I'm, 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 we're, we use it quite a bit in our acquisition efforts. So I think, you know, if you talk to B2B SaaS type businesses, you know, the new, the new approach is multimodal, right? You got to call, you got to email, you got to use LinkedIn, you got to tag, you know, Twitter, you do all that. You kind of surround the in individual with a bunch of, of uh, touch points, I suppose, and advertising the rest of it is, our, you know, our cadence right now on, on the acquisition side is I think we have 18 put, uh, touches in our sequence before we consider something, you know, kind of wow. dead. And that's not that's not uncommon of, of SaaS based B2B um, companies. So we use social media in that regard from acquisition. Me personally, I'm just not a big social media person. I'm kind of, I don't know, old school is the right thing. It's just it seems dangerous. I just I want to be. I, you don't mind I asking. Hey, this, is, this is not this is not if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. How old are you? I'm 45. You're 45, man. I want to drink yeah. what you're drinking. I'm all gray. I'm 42, and That's I'm all tequila, gray. Tequila, by the way. Tequila? I'm going to order myself some tequila right after this interview. <laughs> but I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, so we're basically- I had, the, the, I had to shave it all off. Yeah. So. <laughs> mine's yeah. going in the back a little bit, but whatever the case. But um, I got to, I have to, like, uh, you and I are on the same page. I was born in 78. And to me, social media, I'm an author. I'm a writer. I've written- I wrote Monsterland. I wrote, I've written about 20 books. And oh my God. we hired, yeah, we hired this publicist who's like, you got to be on Snapchat and you got to be on Twitter. And you got, and I'm like, eh, if somebody wants to talk to me, they could just email me. I'm not really <laughs> interested, you know? And I didn't see the value of social media until my brother got on social media. And, and Eric, believe it or not, I, I'm not, I'm, I do not have a Facebook profile. Like I, I'm yeah. not interested with getting no, in touch I. with people that I knew 20 years ago. I don't need to know like, where my ex-girlfriends are from 20 years right. ago. I'm just not interested, you know? <laughs> so with that in mind, um, you know, I, we, our father, uh, who ran the company for, you know, the first 45 years of his existence was a very low key guy and private. He liked, 
private. private. He liked running an exclusive car service that got business on word of mouth and stuff like that. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2018. And my my brother and I and my and my mom, we sat down and we basically said, okay, what are we going to do here? And we said, okay, let's let's take it big. And the only way that you can really do that is on social media. And yeah. specifically on LinkedIn for selling for B2B, it has been instrumental to our success in the past two years and also instrumental to educating our clients on how well we're doing with COVID-19. And that's why I applaud Scott because he's in the feed all day long. Yeah. I don't know if you follow him, Michael, but he's, and I got, no, I he's don't, the, he's I don't, the, but I'm going to feed all day I gotta, long. I got to tell you something, Jason, it really, you know, I, I did sales. Oh, did we lose you? There you oh, are. You, right there. You, yeah. you turned yellow for a second. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did sales for 20 years. There you are again. Are you, are you transforming? It's transforming. No, 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 no. <laughs> Oaken boys fall out. <laughs> Oaken bros fall out. Um, you know, I didn't understand the the importance of social media until my brother started posting, and then we started nailing these accounts down. Right, I was always the guy that would be like, "We'll go out for dinner. I could sit with you for three hours and want to know everything about you, and try and not sell a limousine service." Right, um, and then social media took that. Where if you're going out to dinner with five people and you talk, you know, taking an office out for dinner, that's great. And you could tell them about your pro your COVID protocols. You could tell them about the new Teslas that you have. You could tell them about all these new cool features in the cars and whatnot. But if you do social media and Eric became this influencer on LinkedIn, you could reach 10,000 people and your message is just, it's there. I, I, I'm not telling you to be on Twitter. You know, I don't, I don't care who you want to vote for or whatever, but for business wise, I didn't know what upside was until my brother's like, oh, we should really sign up with upside. It's going to be good for us. There's an upside to upside. It's like, yeah, Which, great. It's, it's a ridiculous domain, by the it's way. A, yeah. So you have upside.com? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You should be I like, Jason, you don't have to tell them like when you go into the bathroom, but you should be telling everyone <laughs> like what upside is at least 10 times a day on, on LinkedIn and promote the hell out of it. Don't sell it. Don't sell it. Let the selling sell itself. Tell so the story I have a question. of it. So, yeah. like, what does a chief commercial officer do? I mean, basically, I've got uh, responsibility for all the timeline aspects of our business, right? So, anything around acquisition, growth, uh, account management, um, our business development efforts, partnerships, you know, the agency efforts that I talked about. So, uh, I've got all of that for the business. That's great. Love it. Well, we have someone in the bat. We have someone in our in our chat room right now. Genevieve is is uh, is uh, behind the scenes right now. She works with Jason, and she actually found your commercial. Eric, do you see that? <laughs> yeah, hold on. Can you cop? Can you put that on real quick? Because I have to see. Because if this is the this boy would be great. Me, we need like a DJ in the back. We actually have like a this. celebrity on right now, Eric. I mean, this is like a yeah. real thing. It's like we wanted George Clooney, but instead we got Jason from Upside. I know. God, I was so booked up. I made a special case to get you guys in. So you, you should I'm gonna I'm gonna share the screen. Hold on one second. Okay. Oh, hopefully this is the if you would have told me before we got on air I to, absolutely love this Hold to on. say that like we're gonna be talking to like a child actor from the eighties. I'd be like, Yeah, you're full of shit. And this lo and behold, like I said, like Transformers, he's like, You wanna hear a funny story about Transformers? <gasps> oh, this is it. This. Oh my the, god. Can you guys see this? Okay, hold on. Yep. Predacons. Can you get louder, Eric? Oh my God, I remember this. Yeah. I hated the kid that was in this commercial. I used to throw things at the TV. Yeah, everyone did. No, I'm just kidding. 
That's me. The hand. Oh, here I'm coming up here, and then I'll be at the end. Eric, you make. Oh me. my! That's God. you. <laughs> That's, that's that's me on the right. Oh my god! Why didn't you like? Why didn't you continue this? It was a one-time thing. I, I, you know, had knew someone that was going to audition for this, and they were like, "Why don't you do it?" And I did it. And thank you, Jennifer. There was just, didn't, thank didn't you, Jennifer. Obviously, didn't do a very good job because they didn't. Uh, I remember that commercial with the dinosaur. The 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 the, the me- you have Predacons, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm floored right now. My kids um, are like super platinum blonde. We don't know where it came from. So, yeah, so. it'll it'll probably change. My my kids are super super platinum blonde too, and I was I was a toehead for right up until I was about 16, and then it started to get how darker. old are your, how old are your kids? Nine and eleven. Oh wow! All right, yeah. and mine's uh twelve and eight. I have a ten year old. I have a ten year old girl and a six year old boy. I have a twelve year old boy and a. Uh, eight-year-old girl so, so we're in the perfect the perfect little window here before it gets dicey that's what yeah we're yeah. like my yeah, daughter my daughter is already like she's i don't horrible. know i don't she's know what a horrible child no she's a horrible <laughs> she's she's I, I i call my children terrorists and the problem <laughs> is that you can't negotiate with terrorists so i mean i didn't think this was going to go to the child side but like do you want your kids in the travel industry do you want because i know that our children are being brought up in the travel industry right now do you want your kids like running upside with you one day what an amazing question um wow i'm not I'm not once you're sure in travel I, it's like the godfather once you're in it you, I'm, i get pulled right back you know like there's no I, question yeah it 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 i mean it's very it's incestuous an into- <laughs> it's an intoxicating yes. industry yeah because yeah. like when you were traveling like there's just something about traveling for business and like going for meetings and like being important and like doing all those things and then plus when you work and travel the perks are unbelievable they were um they were yeah operative words they were yeah i i it's been an amazing industry for me i've absolutely loved it it you know i don't know the exact stats but the the impact that travel has on uh, economies is so huge. And I, I just, I can't imagine that changing. So I guess the short answer is, yeah, I'd, I'd love for them to, to go into travel. I think it's going to, you know, travel when they get into the marketplace and that is going to be, there's just going to be a lot that's different. Technology is just going to play a bigger, bigger role. So um, interest, it'll be interesting for me to see how that plays out. But yeah, I'd, I'd love for my kids to get what's into your, it. I mean, what's what, cooler what's than your- traveling? That, that, exactly. And our kids are like, you know, they don't even realize they're in travel. They've literally been born into the industry of like, oh, you know, when we go into the airport, we have a, you know, a car that comes, picks us up. And it's like, it's like, it's like water for them where it's like, <laughs> you know, you know, they've never been in a taxi before. But so speaking of taxi, what's your stance on Uber? And uh, there's a bit, there was a big ruling that just happened just it, a few minutes before you went live. In California, uh, the California ruling. Yeah. 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 What, what was yeah. the outcome? Uh, Uber said that if they can't get it turned around, they're going to close up. They're going to uh, temporarily cease all California operations. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's going to have far-reaching consequences. My take on Uber is it's absolutely brilliant. And just the, I mean, the, the impact that it's had on, on so many things is so positive. I just, I, I don't know what their their vision is or plan to get it to profit, right? I mean, it loses a lot of money. And uh I, I don't know if it's the autonomous that they're banking on. Hey, if we're in front of all this and then we have autonomous, that that's where we make money. But with with humans, um, the 
cost of that's just going to go up, you know, over time. So I don't, so I don't, I don't know how they get out of it. Anytime right, exactly. it's nobody, anytime it's one-to-one, -one, there's a one-to-one -one service. It's expensive, you know, like getting a massage or, you know, having a personal chef or having a personal something, have a personal driver, that stuff is expensive. And Uber tried to make that not expensive and it doesn't work. There's just, there's expenses involved with that. There's insurance. There's right. the driver has to make a, a decent living. The car is expensive. You know, anytime that that happens and they can shift all those expenses to the, to the, to the driver um, and they can subsidize the driver. But when push comes to sub, you can't, you can't keep doing that forever. What I, what I like about you guys is, you know, your market, right? Upside says we want these smaller corporations who have limited travel, we want to be their number one, right? Like a company like BLS, where you know, we spend between 500,000 and a million dollars a year on travel. Um, you're, you're, you targeted us, right? That's, that's exactly, we matched up perfectly and the service was impeccable. It's exactly what we wanted. Um, you weren't saying, well, I'm going to go after IBM and Johnson and Johnson and, and MGM resorts. They, they, that's, right. you know, those are Amex style type of travel, you know, uh, agencies. Um, Uber, Uber didn't know what they were. And, mm. and if I, I always said this, and I've been saying this since day one, if I was running Uber, I would close every single city except for the top 10 markets around the world. You know, New York, LA, London, Chicago, Miami, you know, Paris, Brazil. Right. Yeah. Right. Rio de Janeiro. Like that would probably be about it. And then when you're in those major markets, you can, you, you know, automatically get your car and you would have an elite service and you'd be paying for that service. There's and no it, reason for Uber to exist in, in Chattanooga. Africa. Right. Like you don't need right. Charleston, South Carolina. There's no need for an Uber in Charleston. No offense to Charleston. It's a beautiful city. When you're in Orlando, you don't need an Uber that you could rent a car in Orlando. Or you can grab um, a taxi. Or you can grab a taxi or you could take a, a Disney shuttle. We're big Disney, Disney fans. So like you take a Disney shuttle, you don't use Uber. Um, but you know, you guys are smart. You knew your market. You understand your market, and you're targeting your market. Uber wanted to swallow the world, and they would. They were never, ever going to make a penny. You know, in in this industry, the way they were doing it. If they were an elite service, they'd be giving us all a run for our money. They should so, go continue delivering chicken parmesan and Caesar 100%. salads. And hundred you know, percent. Leave travel to the professionals. You know. And do you think the same is true with Lyft? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's yeah. there's they, they don't make money. What right. kind of business is that? I mean, it's great to be a startup and lose money for the first few years. It's that's pretty standard. That's like a rite of passage to lose money in your startup. But like, you know, Amazon eventually is, started making money, and Facebook is making a boatload of money. Uh, you know, this is Uber, it's transporting people is expensive, and there's a reason why Uber didn't exist before Uber. Right. And I think that if Dara is going to focus on autonomous cars, uh, I think he's going to be getting nowhere fast. We made a post about this recently. And, you know, you're into technology. You understand it. Um, yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on self-driving? Well, hold on. In 20, I made a post in 2015. We were supposed to have hoverboards, instant food, and flying cars, like in Back to the Future, right? Everyone's like, oh, my God, a hoverboard. And in 2015, what did we have? We had social media. We had um, Uber. We had really advanced technology for our species. But autonomous cars, do you know the like if Uber and Apple haven't figured if I'm sorry, if Google and Apple haven't figured out autonomous cars, no one will. Nobody. Right. Maybe Elon Musk will eventually. Well, do, do you have a different opinion on that? Yeah, curious to know. I mean, I'm not particularly well researched, but uh, I 
say my knee jerk reaction is I could see autonomous cars for transport. You know, when you're, when you're trucks that are going across the, you know, sure. the U S that are on a freeway can go yeah, 50 miles per miles. hour, stay right. in the right lane. And, and I, I think it's brilliant, you know, brilliant yeah. for that. And you're not having to change lanes and the rest of it. I think for humans that are driving and with traffic and the rest of it, it's, I don't know how they figured that out. I mean, one of the challenges they've got is the, not to be morbid, but the, the who dies challenge, right? Is if you're an autonomous car and if you veer, you have to veer and you veer left, you kill the baby and the mom, you veer right, you take out a, a bus full of, you know, old, old people. people, right? It's all an algorithm, right? <laughs> Are you going to write in there that we're going to kill 20 elderly people on the bus, or we're going to take out the, you know, the kid and the mom. I, yep. I don't know how, how, you know, I, I just don't know how you solve solve that problem. Um, Either everyone has to give up driving. It literally, it has got. It's got to be a light switch. Either everyone has to give up driving and they redo the roads to we make. We can't agree that everybody should wear a mask. That no, right. their people are not giving up their cars and they're not giving right. up their guns and they're not giving up that they don't have to wear a mask. This is not a political podcast. And no, it's but, just it's yeah. just the way that oh, it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree yeah. with that. And I believe, and I will say this on the air, the traffic, we have traveled in the last year, just in, in the United States, New York, Vegas, LA, Atlanta, Chicago, 2019, Orlando. Yeah, at, least, we were, at least once a month. Yeah. Once a month, we were in a new city and every single city had one problem, was insane traffic. LA was probably number one. Oh, I mean, it would yeah. take, it, it, it was brutal. We're, we're, we are all because we're, of Uber. we're 30 miles outside of New York City. 30 and, miles. And and that it used to be an hour. Now yeah. now I was in college. At, at yeah. least an hour and 45 minutes if not 2 hours. And wow. it doesn't matter what time of day that you leave. I'll never forget uh my mom and I went for a meeting in Manhattan. We went for a lunch with a with a, a network. And um we left the restaurant at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday, sunny in the middle of spring. Maybe it was even like the summertime. But like there was no, there was no car accidents. There was nothing. We left the city at 2 PM and I drove in because we were so busy that day. I didn't use a car and I didn't pull into my house until 5 30, oh, 5 o'clock, 5 30. It took three hours to get back from New York to Long Island, the North shore of Long Island, which is where we live, which is 30 miles, you know? Jeez. So well, I think with that, we can wrap this up. Jason, we Jason, really where can everyone find you? Say you're email you know if people want to get in touch with you how can they do and that? upside yeah and upside yeah for upside just go to our our homepage upside www.upside.com there you can fill in a form there and we'll reach out to you give you more information or you can just sign up um through that process as well uh i can personally personally be reached at jw at upside.com so happy to talk to anyone who wants to talk to me talk transformers Talk Transformers. And I got to tell you, and I'm not endorsing this because we do use Upside and I do like the service. If you're a small business and you're looking for a travel program to get everything consolidated. Now's the time to do it because the there's, time not to much, do it. there's not much else going on. And Jason and his team have been incredible to work with. Incredible. A plus full, full transparency here. You know, very and, much uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. All right, I'm going to do the sign off here. Hang out for one minute and uh, I'll end the broadcast. Thanks, Thanks for Jason. coming on guys. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Nice to meet you both. Nice Likewise. to meet you.